The future of 800,000 immigrants rests in the hands of a divided Congress. Lawmakers face deadlines to take action. So what's our job? Our job is to monitor the progress of potential DACA legislation as the deadlines come closer, while diving deeper into the issues of deferred deportation and illegal immigration. You're listening to an In Focus special report podcast, Deadline DACA. I'm Andrew Nicola. And I'm Adrian St. Clair. Welcome to the show. We're both based in Washington, D.C., arguably the eye of the hurricane for all of this daily DACA drama. So I'm the Borderlands reporter at Cronkite News and Arizona PBS, and I've been covering the latest DACA developments. And I cover money in Indian country here in D.C., but I've spent months reporting on immigration and border issues from Phoenix and even took a couple foreign reporting trips to Mexico. And if you don't know what DACA is, don't worry. In this episode, we'll do our best to bring you up to speed on what's going on. Okay, so first explain DACA. So DACA stands for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. It was a program that was enacted by former President Obama in 2012 through an executive order. And what it did was it gave temporary protective status to immigrants who were brought to the country illegally before they turned 16. So there's about 800,000 people enrolled in the program right now. And that program gives them the ability to receive work permits to obtain an education, and in order to even qualify for a program like this, you have to have a clean criminal record. You have to have, you know, again, arrived to the country before you turn 16, and you have to apply for this protective status every two years, and through that application process, you're continually vetted and verified that you do meet these requirements set by the program. So now that program's future is now in jeopardy because... Earlier this month, the Trump administration announced that it would slowly rescind the program over the course of six months in March, giving Congress time to piece together some sort of replacement legislation, a permanent solution to this once temporary program. So the conflict isn't necessarily new. It's been going on long before Attorney General Jeff Sessions announced the program is phasing out on September 5th. Yeah, and Trump's tough position on immigration and calls to end DACA began early in his campaign. I mean, this is one of his key pillars of his campaign, his key issues. He made multiple campaign stops in Arizona, um, one of which was in Phoenix, where he actually outright declared that the U.S. government needs to end this DACA program. And enforce all immigration laws. We will immediately terminate President Obama's Two illegal executive amnesties in which he defied federal law. So Trump's speech in Arizona actually became the speech, the immigration speech. It laid out his agenda for immigration policy. I love the people of Arizona and together we are going to win the White House in November. I mean, I think it's fair to say that his immigration policy won him the election because there were people from both parties who felt endangered by immigrants taking their jobs. I mean, that was one of his points that he continually brought up. And of course, the whole build the wall. We have to listen to the concerns that working people, our forgotten working people, have over the record pace of immigration and its impact on their jobs, wages, housing, schools, tax bills, and general living conditions. 
the Arizona immigration speech was in August of 2016. So DACA recipients have been worried about the future of their status throughout not only Trump's campaign and then throughout his presidency. But the September announcement confirmed sort of their fears. And since then, people haven't been quiet on the issue. No, not at all. <laughs> They've been holding rallies weekly, yeah. almost. Like, like we've been covering stuff almost every week on this. Right. The rallies are made up of DACA recipients, immigration advocacy groups, religious organizations, you name it. And they've been doing this constantly in order to keep the issue relevant in the headlines and on the minds of lawmakers. I came here to um, Washington DC to have my senators and representatives know about all this all the issues that are happening I'm not I'm not gonna hide I think I hide it for 10 years when I was in Phoenix and uh, I'm not gonna hide anymore that's Hugo Juarez he's a 29 year old DACA recipient who lived in Phoenix for a time after crossing the border with his parents and siblings when he was 12 years old I don't think he, any human being should be deciding on how to live our lives that, should be, that we should be in fear of our life. He came to Washington with the advocacy group United We Dream, which was supported at a rally on Capitol Hill by representatives Raul Gurjalva of Arizona. That these young people, that they not be collateral damage in political games. And Luis Gutierrez of Illinois. We do not have to pay ransom to the hostage takers, nor we will pay it. We will have freedom and we will have justice for everyone. In that rally, Grijalva and Gutierrez raised the stakes, saying that if a Clean Dream Act was not passed by December 15th, a majority of Democrats are willing to hold the budget hostage and force a vote on the bill. What does it mean when they say that they're going to hold the budget hostage? They're not going to vote for the budget. We have a Democratic caucus where I know the vast majority of members of the Democratic caucus are ready to say, if there is no pathway forward, not only for the 800,000 and for visas for all of you, but also for the rest of immigrant youth with the DREAM Act, then there is no government for anyone. We will shut it down or let the Republicans keep it open with their own votes. And the reason that they chose that date, December 15th, was because that is the day that the government, quote, runs out of money and they need to pass a budget. The idea of passage of a clean dream act, if that, that doesn't start to move and become part of the criteria, come December, when the debt ceiling is up again, when the budget's up again, uh, then the commitment that uh, we're making to these young people here today and the 800,000 and possibly 2 million aging in to uh, qualifying for the dream act, then uh, the consequences are, are that uh, that budget without democratic support doesn't pass, the debt ceiling it, it doesn't get risen, and uh, then we have another, uh, another drama on our hands. United We Dream participated in another rally just days after Jeff Sessions' announcement. The group joined other groups and Democrats who gathered on Capitol Hill to inject a sort of sense of urgency into the Democratic Party to take action on this issue and construct a DACA replacement. Yeah, and that's where I actually met two Dreamers from Tucson, Ana Galaviz and Fernando Najera. So they both had different attitudes on this. They're both students in college. Fernando's studying law and Ana is studying business. And Fernando was more jaded on the issue because he was like a couple years older than Ana. And he's seen things like this where 
there appears to be a consensus to solve an issue. And he's seen firsthand Congress's inability to pass legislation when they're faced with a key deadline. I think they've proven that their capacity to pass legislation is minimal. So I'm not exactly convinced. But I do like the efforts that um, Democrats have been making. Um, a senator from Arizona, Jeff Flake, has been on board with the Dream Act as well. So I do see the bipartisan effort, but we need to see results. And that's when I'll be content. What were Anna's thoughts? So... Anna had a little bit of a different perspective. She is 18, she's a freshman in college, and she's had everything in her life line up for her just perfectly to have this opportunity to receive a higher education. And she was just really frustrated because now the rug's being pulled under her feet and she's just uncertain about where she's gonna go, what her future is, what's gonna happen to her after she loses the status, if she loses the status, rather. So she just got a bit emotional about it. I just... It's been a long time coming. I just, I want this so bad. Um, but it, um, but I understand this isn't just me. This is for my parents as well. My parents were the original dreamers. Not everyone supports the notion of a dream act or of coming up with a more permanent solution. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's people who just simply say they don't feel that these people belong here. Andrew and I actually attended an event it was actually called the Mother of All Rallies. The Mother of All Rallies. Where speakers and attendees sort of framed immigrants as a burden rather than an asset to the country. It was where we met people like Tawny Gonzalez of Glendale, Arizona, who traveled across the country to attend this rally. I'm a Hispanic American and I stand for no DACA and no amnesty. They have had long enough to assimilate and to become a citizen. And because they haven't, it's time to go. There's a lot of grassroots level action on the streets in front of the Capitol building and, and other parts of Washington and across the country. But what's actually happening behind the doors of lawmakers' offices and the Congress chambers? So there has been some progress. Um, since the announcement from Sessions, Democratic leaders Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi met with Trump in the White House, which was met with some surprise, to say the least, from both parties. We talked to Tawny about that. Mm -hmm. We asked her about how she felt about President Trump working with the Democratic Party. I'm not too happy about that with my president, but it doesn't mean that I've turned my back on him or I don't love him. On the Republican side, House Speaker Paul Ryan recently formed what's been called a DACA task force, which I think sounds kind of like a superhero gang. <laughs> so who's on that panel? It's a, a group of 10, um, and Arizona's own Representative Martha McSally is a part of the, the task force. Their goal is to craft some sort of conservative-friendly piece of legislation. So there's been a lot of talk about this compromise between both parties. But, you know, it's hard to believe that Congress will actually meet the deadlines to pass this legislation. While lawmakers hash out the details, DACA recipients wait in limbo. And until our next episode, the clock is ticking on deadline DACA. The music in this episode is by Roddy Nick Poor. Special thanks to Cronkite News and Arizona PBS, and a very special thanks to our editor Steve Crane, who lives solely off coffee and jelly beans in order to keep this bureau running. This is a test. We're going to possibly see if Andrew Nicola and I can hold a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Never been done before. Unheard of. <laughs>